summer, do they run or suck? They haven't started playing yet. That was a test, Jimmy, and you passed. <laughs> gentlemen it is december 16th and we here at the sonic opus are glad to have you back with us for our second ever weeklet and when i say we i mean kieran newton i'm dakota lopez and anthony gunch and we'll uh thank dakota lopez right now for that delightfully peppy intro yeah <laughs> um anyways it's been a pretty good week I'm about to get off school, thank God for the holiday break. Yes. Let's not, let's not mince words. It's pretty much Christmas break. Christmas falls right in the middle. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Actually, in, in New York, they, they do call it Christmas break um, this time of year. In really? February, in February, we have another break called uh, winter break. It's also two yeah. weeks. Yeah, see, in, um, in, in California, in Los Angeles, because we have such a large Jewish population, they get their feathers all in a ruffle, a rough, and they're like, oh no, it can't be called Christmas break. It has to be winter break. Or actually, holiday break. Actually, um, there's, in my, in my school now, and, well, the school I went to, in East Chester mm -hmm. High, was very, it was primarily Italian. Uh, you went one town over, Scarsdale, it was 95% uh, Jewish. They would call it Hanukkah break. Really? Yes. That's awesome. That That's really cool. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so anyways, um, we realized, probably Monday night when we were doing it, that, oh, yes, I remember it now. We realized, oh, we didn't have a song picked out for the song analysis. So now we so have two. Yes. And they're actually related to one another. Don't you feel special? You should. You should. You, you damn should. Yeah. It's, it's on, it, 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 I, I can't even fathom it. Words escape me. So let's get right into it. Okay. Uh, well, the song analysis that, or analyses that we are doing this week um, are of two amazing Smashing Pumpkins songs. Mm -hmm. And these songs, are they from the Melancholy? Uh, 1979 is from Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. And uh, Precious, or sorry, not Precious, uh, Perfect is from mm -hmm. Adore. Okay. I need that album, I think. Yes, you do. Yes. Anyways... Um, 
I just uh, I've listened to these songs before because I'm I'm a I'm semi Smashing Pumpkins fan. I mean I, I like them. They're just not one of my absolute favorites. But I listened to these songs again and I forgot how iconic, especially 1979, right. was. Yes. These songs kind of defined the 90s, didn't they? Absolutely. Uh, and. We are, this is a, a little bit of a mixed media podcast. I mean, I don't mean that we are mixed media on this podcast. That'd be awesome, but way too big of a file size. I mean that we are also talking about the music videos of these two songs as well, because they really help tell a story as well. And I think it's really cool when artists link music videos uh, try and try and form their songs into like a cohesive story, like the way uh, Gorillas did with Feel Good Inc. and El Manana. Okay. Uh, you know, have do you know the music videos for those? Of course, yeah. Yeah, and the the way about the second one is all about Noodle on the Island that you see in Feel Good Inc. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dakota, why don't you talk about the music videos and about the songs? Sure. I guess I'll give you a little brief uh, personal experience on my, my, I guess, my experience with the Smashing Pumpkins and 1979 in particular. Uh, 1979 came out on the 1995 album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins on the Virgin Records label. I wasn't originally a fan of Smashing Pumpkins until, uh, again, my father showed me. Uh, I lived in Miami at the time, and uh, middle school in Miami was very hard, I, I, I have to say, because you either liked rap or you were discriminated for liking rock. Uh, those, those were the only two pretty much genres I really knew back then. I was, I was very ignorant, I guess. Oh, you and me both. And well, you know that. I walked into high school thinking... Yeah. I, rock was pretty much the only thing that existed. Yeah, I, I, I can attest, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't until my father bought a compilation uh, DVD of all the Smashing Pumpkins uh, music videos up until that point, up until the year 2000, that I really, I guess, learned about the the genre of alternative, or I first heard the heard the term alternative uh, used as as a mention to a genre, and that really piqued my interest. That I guess technically that was the first real rock band that I had a strong affinity to. Uh, first first alternative band, particularly, and 1979 was. Uh, Easily my favorite song because of the, the wonderful video of it's it's a uh, it's five kids in a in a car uh, it's it's a 90s scene um, is it is it actually supposed to be in the 90s or in 1979 I think so. yeah I think it's I think it's placed in the 90s although the song's called 1979 but it's, I mean it's such straight up just from oh excuse go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Um, it's it's such a nostalgia trip. The the entire video it puts you in that that '90s uh, that middle '90s like lost in history uh, moment. 
Um, the, the kids go to a party. They they trash the place. They they be, they're total they're total kids about it. They go to a uh, uh, I guess like a 7-Eleven type of place, like a quickie stop. Yeah, it's uh, a shop and go. Shop and go is the name of the yes uh, of the place. And they they totally demolish the place. And I believe it's the guitarist uh, James Eha or something like that. I think that's his name. He's he's the guy at the counter. Uh, oh really? Yeah, that's, that's that gets funny. really angry at the kids. <laughs> and this this video was uh, strangely, strangely, strangely the one one of the greatest hits in music video history. Um, just just because it was it was so it was such a perfect nostalgia trip. Um, I think I, I think by the way I was just ruminating on why it's called 1979. I'll bet that's I mean if you think about it that's probably the birth year. Maybe. If these if these kids are teenagers in the mid '90s, then that makes perfect sense. Okay, that's possible. Um, yeah. And because I think he says ever like the first opening line of the song is something uh, ever since 1979, probably mm -hmm. talking about their own lives. Right. It's it's interesting to note that um, after. The, the album uh, Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, Billy Corgan, the lead singer for Smashing Pumpkins, wrote about 56 different songs. And the very last song was 1979. And that's the one song that the uh, producer did not want to put in. So he, so Billy Corgan uh, changed, changed up the lyrics, uh, changed up the whole tune of the song, basically. Because that's the one song he really wanted in it. Yeah. And... That's and and after the producer heard it again, he, he was just like, "Oh my gosh, we, we have to have this in here." Right. And I'm so happy that it that it is in here because it really uh, epitomizes uh, the '90s. Yeah. And and it, one fell swoop, basically. It's the perfect. I feel as though it's like that perfect bridge between. The, the the grunge era and what we kind of have as kind of indie today. Right. And I want to I actually want to talk about that because I, f I I feel that the Smashing Pumpkins were kind of the uh the final evolution of the of the grunge sound. They were a grunge yeah. band to begin with, but this album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness was was such a departure from that sound, but it still held on to its roots. Like every other song would be really hard and then really soft and then really hard and then really soft. And it was just the perfect, perfect grunge album. Yeah, it was... I, I, meh, or the Smashing Pumpkins are just... It, it's, it, they're hard to put into words, and I think that's what we're having, we're having trouble with right now. Um, because we've said all the things that really apply to, th to, to bands like the Smashing Pumpkins before about Nirvana and about other, uh, other artists. We're saying, like, you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, like, this is, this is how we feel. And um, it's, it's kind of a... At the time, I don't think it was a nostalgia trip. No, no, at the time it wasn't. It was just... Um, what the music scene needed. Yeah. It was a little it kick. It wasn't... <laughs> reminds, reminds me of Batman. It's... 
it's it's not the music we deserve. It's the one we need right now. That was from Batman? Yeah, it's the very end of Dark Knight. He's like, he's not the hero. Uh, oh, I, I thought it was. Deserve, I thought it not was, the one we need right now. I, I was about to say, I thought it was hero. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, yeah, but okay, yes. Yeah. No, they, no, they're talking about albums in Dark Knight. That's actually the subtext. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an elitist musical review. Mm. If you play it backwards. <laughs> okay. Um. And yes, I loved the music video for um, for 1979 and everything. But I I feel as though like it really came into focus in terms of reality when it came to the second song. Um, and the second song in this little series, um, which is called Perfect, which is off of a, is it a later album? Yeah, the album Adore. 1998. Um, and this album, it takes those same kids who you see in that first video, and it jumps them ahead, like, ten years. And it's, it, it's, it's incredible to see how, um, for the most of them, how screwed up their lives have become. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's very, um, it, it's haunting, almost. Uh, apparently for the fifth music video, or, sorry, not the fifth music video, uh, for the music video Perfect, they, they were only able to use four out of five of the original actors because the fifth was in jail. Are you serious? Yeah, so it was like the perfect mirror to what what the people were like in real life. That the music videos were like the perfect mirror as to what the kids uh, did in their real life. Yeah, um, and for those of you who don't know the the perfect music video, it has um, one of the girls from the original who's now married, and um, I I've only watched this video once. Or twice, mm -hmm. and so I, I'm I'm almost positive I got this, but I'm just making sure. Like she discovered that she was pregnant, and it was not her husband's child. Right, and you know the husband was uh, in the original video as well, right? Oh, he was. Yes. Okay. That's why I was. Yeah, that's why it was such a a big thing that he, he died at the, the end of it. Yeah, that's that. That's kind of the. Because he was kind of like he was kind of like the good guy of the group. Yeah, it's um, and God, it, it it really is horrible, beautifully horrible in certain in some ways. And um, but if, if we're analyzing the song, if we're thinking about the song, what is it? I mean, Perfect was never an enormous hit, but 1979 certainly was. What What is it about that song? What is it about 1979? Yeah, that makes it so iconic. Is it, it, is it that just simple, repetitive guitar line? Is it the, the lyrics? 
it's all it, it, it's a bunch of different things. It's it's a uh, Billy Corgan's haunting haunting voice. Yeah, and, but he uses his haunting voice in such a soft way that it draws you in. Uh, sort of like a black and white photo would draw you in. Yeah. Oh my God, dude, that is. Oh, I'm getting tingled. <laughs> Name that reference, Sonic, o uh, Sonic Oversights. What? Or Opuscles. Name that reference and we will give you a hug. Go over there, give you a hug. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm getting tingles. Um, Wait, what was no, that from? I don't even know. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Damn it. Well, okay, I guess I'll fly to New York and give you a hug then. Yes! Yes! You could stay in my place, dude. That'd be awesome. I actually had to tell him because, um, he, because I, I've seen Scott Pilgrim like a million times then, so. Yeah. I saw, I saw it five times in theaters, including once at Fun. That's ridiculous. Mwahaha. Where, you know, Edgar Wright and Michael Sarah and all, uh, all the people from it were there. It was great. Anyway, uh, the, I feel that the music video and, and song in general draws you in like a black and white photo would. Um, yeah, that was what gave me tingles, that analogy. That's a brilliant analogy. It draws you in like a black and white photograph because you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It... It makes you want to look at it a little closer. Yeah. In this case, listen to it. And you, you with, with each uh, listen, you kind of... You get a different impression as to what's going on in the song. You you get a different impression as to what the the artists were thinking when they wrote it. Um, and overall, it's it's a happy song, but it has the tendency to every now and then it has a tendency tendency to make you feel a little depressed, I guess. It is called from the album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Exactly. Yeah. Um Yeah, and it, it that's that that's an interesting point you bring up that one that you get something different from it every time and and also that it's like a black and white photograph. The thing about that's so interesting about black and white photos and why it's still used today, I think, is that because something is omitted the color. I mean, it, it, yes. it makes your eye wonder what else is omitted, mm -hmm. like subtext-wise. Like, what else, what else is not being shown that could be, or what is being shown that a color picture couldn't. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what the song makes you do. It makes you wonder. Okay, is he is he telling the truth, or are his motives pure? And as the music video would like to say, probably not. And the thing with uh, that's that's so great about the the perfect uh, song and and music video, is that as it is a sequel, the the people in the original music video are three years older. They now uh, and the song goes on to say how they've become strangers down the line, uh, lovers out yeah. of time, and they within this uh, five minute point of time. Um, memory is sort of like unwind because there's there's some kind of uh, meeting again in, in some in some odd way with each of the original uh, characters and 
it's it's that that was the real nostalgia the the real nostalgic thing about it for me uh you you have good friends in high school and uh in middle school and what how would you know if you if you walked by them again on a street sometime yeah. you know what i mean yeah absolutely and it's that it's it's that in the end of perfect that as the cars race by each other and he gives him that like backwards glance like wait I know that face. Yeah. Or do I? Mm-hmm. And that that was what was so haunting it when you know what led to his demise. Mm-hmm. It, it it's a work of art. Right. It really is. It tells two compelling stories. It it and and actually it, t- it tells three stories. It tells each story um, individually, and then it tells the the story with the videos where they are linked. Mm-hmm. And it's it's haunting and it's brilliant. And then they actually go back to the uh, what was it? Shop and go. Yeah, yeah. They go back to that quickie mart and they they <laughs> the guy steals some other stuff from uh, from the store. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's it's kind of a hilarious scene. I love how like the cops both have like seventies cop stashes <laughs> and they're they're getting uh the typical donuts yes they're getting donuts too that's the best part i remember anthony commented that <laughs> that's such typical cops but it's so perfect i i actually just watched an episode of psych where they are like forced to go to like the police academy mm-hmm. and they go and like pick up a bunch of donuts and they're like i don't know if it's the uniforms but i have never craved donuts more in my life <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was just, it was great. Uh, anyway, so what was your take on it, Anthony? Um, I, I just thought that, you know, it really brought me back into, um, into that, that time that, that I felt when I was a child. You know, that kind of curious, you know, feeling that I would have, you know, I would listen to all this music, but I really would not be able to, not really understand it, just listen to it, you know. You wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Yeah. And actually watching these music videos, really, it really makes me envy those people that, that lived through that time, because I kind of, I envy the, the simplicity of the time. Like, nowadays, it's so busy, and there's so much to do, and there's just so much, you know, evolution and technology. Back then, it was just like, whatever, it was carefree. People just, they really had, they had great friends, they had a great time. It just seemed that, although the 90s seemed like a blank period, it seemed like such a fun period also. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something earlier about how the the 90s fashion, uh, especially in clothing, wasn't that defined. It was very rugged, very... Uh, it wasn't good fashion, basically. Yeah, there was no such thing as dressing to impress. And I actually like that because, honestly, you know, you shouldn't judge a person on what they wear. So... You shouldn't, but we all do. Yeah, yeah. I know. 
And that's what, you know, that's why I like about what that time seems. Everybody dressed the same. Everybody had, you know, the typical... Denim jackets. And denim jackets and, and jeans and t-shirts. Nobody cared because they all wore the same thing, you know? Pants above the waist. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know about that. Um, I know about that. And yeah, I, I guess I could see that how you, how it would make you want to uh, live as they do in that time period, in that time frame. It would be yeah, it'll be a nice trip, I guess. Okay, well. I think that pretty much covers it for the uh, song analysis. We could just kind of sit here and just kind of mess around and talk for a while. Sure. Woo! Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyways, yeah, I could, could break out my ocarina. You know, I think we should stop it here. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! God, that hurts. Cut me like a knife. Like a G6. <laughs> yeah, I made Dakota listen to Like a G6 for the first time today. And I still want to do a song analysis on that. Because it may suck, but it's so damn catchy. Fine. Like, you won't think it's catchy. You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Kieran. And then you'll be lying and you'll wake up in the middle of the night. And you'll just be lying there trying to fall back asleep. And suddenly... Popping bottles in the ice Like a blizzard And it's like Oh my god, this is amazing <laughs> It's so great There's already so many jokes about it um, My friend on Tumblr told me There was one thing there where It's like, what if you're only awkwardly as fly as a G5 I've heard that But I didn't get yeah. it <laughs> Until I, I realized there was a song Like a G6 today <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I actually heard the uh that bed intruder song for the first time today. <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> hide your husband cuz <laughs> they're raping everybody. <laughs> cuz they're raping everybody out here. Oh, it's such a great video. <laughs> I, I I must admit, I like Double Rainbow better. What is Double Rainbow? Oh my god, okay, we need to educate you in bad music. Yes. You know, you know too much about good music. You need to be educated in the poor music of the world. Alright. You know the guys who do auto-tune the news? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I learned them out today, yeah. Yeah, they're... Okay, watch all the auto-tune the news ones, because they're amazing. Like, you'll find yourself, like, in class or, like, at work or something, and somebody will say something, and you'll just want to go, Oh, what you talking about, Sade? Just for no apparent <laughs> And, of course, me. I'm, like, the whitest guy ever. But, like, we'll be in, like, rehearsal for a play I'm doing, and, like, and it'll just be a down moment, and they'll, he'll be like, Do you get it? And I'm like... I know what you mean, Sade. <laughs> <laughs> and we all just start cracking up. Oh, God. All right, yeah. so I guess we can talk a little bit about what we're doing next week, maybe? Oh, yeah, sure, um, in, a, in a couple of days. And I know 
we said that we were going to, we were planning on starting um, uh, two little weeklets a week, but this has been really a really hectic week. We're going to try doing that next week. Because mm-hmm. um, that'll just be a lot easier for everybody involved. Correct. So, yes, next week. We have, uh, we have a few li- albums lined up, I guess. Yeah, we've got, like, at least two. And then, I don't know what we're going to do with that third one. I don't either. I don't know, whatever. Um, anyways, uh, <clears throat> one of the albums that we are going to talk about is the new album by a band called... Okay, I pronounce it Agaloc. And I pronounce it Agalosh. But I, I believe it now that it, it is Agalok. I looked okay. it up and I, I didn't see anyone confused about the name. <laughs> so I was Just... I was the only one confused about the name. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Anyways, Agalok is an awesome band. They're like they're black metal. And they don't, have... don't let that throw you off though. No, they're really good and they have two singers. They have one guy who growls. Wow. Yeah. And they have a girl who is a classically trained soprano opera singer. Yeah. And they are freaking, they're awesome. They're so cool. And they make it work. Oh, yeah. And it's such a different sound that it's... It's very melodic. And what was the the other one that we were going to talk about? Uh, Midnight Juggernauts. They have a new album out called The Crystal Axis. Good stuff. And I know we know some of this is a little bit older, um, but it's Christmas time and nobody comes out with music for some reason. And the reason we're doing Crystal Axis is because although it came out earlier this year, it came out earlier this year in Australia. This is the physical release in the in America. So, oh, awesome! In the U.S. Okay, that makes sense then. Um, and I was thinking about doing, maybe giving uh, the new Michael album a a listen. What is the new Michael album? Uh, It's basically a bunch of B-sides that Michael Jackson never used. Um, It's, I've listened to a few of it, a a little bit, a bit of, a a little bit of it, but um, I guess it's all right. And if if we if we end up liking it or don't liking it, I guess we can talk a little bit about it. You know what it is. What is your opinion of B sides albums? Because on the one hand, they give an interesting perspective on an uh, on a band and on an album, because they're usually from one recording session. But on the on the other hand, it's like I don't I, know. I do not think this this album will be a good B side album. Really? I I really don't because the thing is there are B-sides from each and every album he's he's ever tried to release that he never uh, chose songs to. So oh, it's going to be so sporadic. But they they of course they glossed it over with uh with Akon and 50 Cent, but Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, but I mean, like, uh, the, the point that I was, I totally blanked, the t- point that I was going to bring up about, um, whatchamacallit, uh, about B-Sides albums is, an album is where an artist tries to say something, and so that it isn't 
a B-Sides album like a disjointed trying to say something but failing? Um, like, I guess if you look at it in that light, yes. I, I always just pictured it as the thoughts that never came across, or that didn't come across right. Nah. But if they, if they don't, I, just, I don't know. I, I will listen to it, but wait, there's very few B-Sides albums that I like. Right. That's just me. And I'm thinking in the weeks to come, we can do uh, a whole a solo episode for um, the five albums each of us considered the top of the, of the year. Oh, okay. I'll have to do some research then. Well, whatever you, you like this year. Well, that came okay, out this well, year. but a lot of stuff I've liked this year came out in previous years. All right, well. I'll, I'll have to look at releases. Don't worry about it. But that'll be fun. I like that. Yeah. In fact, we could just do, like, a week of that where, like, each of us, we, um, we do, like, three little mini-episodes and have that be the week where, like, the entire week's worth of podcasts where one of us does our five. And then oh, that'd be really cool, actually. Yeah, I thought, I thought that'd be neat. That'd be really cool. So. We each have our own so, episode. Yeah, exactly. All right. And in fact... That would be a really cool time to, um, that, on that week, we could do the three of us, and then we could bring in other people. Okay. Because I, I think that'd be really cool. Like, what were your top five albums of 2010? Mm-hmm. Type of thing. Um, and I, I, we'll have to come up with some sort of criteria Yeah. for that. But anyways, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys for sitting here and listening to us ramble. Yeah, it's strange. We're actually giving them quite a, a look at how we we go about uh, what we're going to do in the, in the weeks to come. Yeah, this is just pretty much... This is how it goes down. Like, there's nothing... This is behind the <laughs> scenes right now. <laughs> this is special features. I'm sorry. John Paul, who you guys heard last week... Okay, so I don't, did you, have you checked Facebook since, like, right before we started the podcast? No. <laughs> okay, so, you guys will hear on Sunday, I sent a cool cover to Dakota, and, <laughs> and so, um, I was like, here, go to Google Docs, Google Documents, and so I'm like, it, it, it's on my Google Docs page, and he has, he has access to one of my folders on there, and Apparently he forgot what it was, and he's like, and so like we're, we keep talking, and then like two minutes later he's like, Kieran, what, what is this? I can't find this, and I'm like, Google Docs, and he's like, Oh, I thought you said Google Box. <laughs> oh, how did he? Wait, how did he find that? He did it. He made. Okay. So, anyways. What? <laughs> so anyway. That is my Facebook status. Uh, dude, I can't find this Google box you're talking about, Dakota Lopez. And I say, Google Docs, you idiot. Um, and so then John Paul, who you heard livening our uh, delightful soundtrack edition last week, just posted to my Facebook a picture that is just Google box, like with the Google letters. <laughs> oh, 
Google, get the Google box. Oh my god. <laughs> I love John Paul. Oh my sweet lord. Oh, so this has been your backstage pass to uh, the going-ons of Sonic Opus. I'm your main host, Dakota Lopez. And I'm your second main, mainer host, Kieran Newton. And I am Anthony, not main. <laughs> not main. I am Duke of Sound. <laughs> but <laughs> is he Sir Luscious Leftfoot, the prodigal son of Chico Dusty? He is. <laughs> um, it was actually really funny. I was talking to a fan of the podcast today, and I'm like, well, how are you liking it? And they're like, it's really good. It's really good. I really like the analysis. Don't really know much about that Anthony character. He just sounds like he's stoned every episode. <laughs> like, literally, that was what they said. And I'm like, yeah, he doesn't talk much. They're like, is he just, like, really tired or something? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. You have to take into consideration he's from Miami, and they talk slower down there. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's racist. It's not racist. It's, it's, it's just the South is very slow. It's a slow pace, too, in comparison to... Us northerners. Yeah, but I'm from California. Does that count as north? North-er. I'm actually more southern than a majority of the south. Miami? No. No, not Miami. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say okay. about this, Anthony? Stop, stop the damn recording. We're done here. We are, we are done. I'm going to Zelda us out. I don't give a damn what you say. finally finished listening to an episode of Sonic Opus. Now you tell me, do they rock or suck? I don't know. You tell me. Ha 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 